So it's the beginning of December, and I want you to think for a moment, use your imagination, and think that it's actually the beginning of July. It's July 4th, not the beginning of December, July 4th. You wake up on July 4th, and you're super excited because you have these great plans with family and friends to celebrate July 4th. You've got a brand new red, white, and blue shirt you're ready to put on. You're going to go see fireworks. It's going to be this incredible July 4th celebration. And you flick on the television and you watch a news broadcast from Luxembourg, wherever that is. And in Luxembourg, there's people with American flags everywhere and they're watching fireworks. And you're kind of scratching your head going, why are people in Luxembourg celebrating July 4th? And the newscaster approaches someone and says, hey, you know, did you guys declare independence from Britain? Did you fight and win a revolutionary war? What gives with you celebrating July 4th? And the person's like, ha ha, I just love red, white, and blue, and I love the fireworks and all the food and the fun of all the July 4th fields, and it's just so great. And you kind of scratch your head and go, like, without the Declaration of Independence, without a war to win independence for America, why the heck would anyone celebrate July 4th? It makes no sense. And yet, you think of Christmas for most people, and when you ask them, why do you celebrate Christmas? They go, oh, I just, I love Hallmark movies and I love candy canes and I, and I just love all the feels and the smells and the sounds and the food and the decorations. And it's just so much fun. And you're like, really? Is that ultimately what Christmas is about? If Christmas is only about the feels and not the facts, that there is something historic that took place on Christmas in which we celebrate, if it's not about that fact, then it's like celebrating July 4th without a declaration of independence. It just doesn't make much sense. But as Christ followers, we go, we know Christmas is about the birth of Jesus. It's about celebrating his birthday party every year. We, we kind of know that, and we kind of go, okay, yeah, Jesus, it's your birthday party, but you go over here, Jesus, and we're going to decorate, and there's music, and we're going to spend lots of money, and we're going to have lots of, like, it's your birthday party, but you go over there, and, and we're going to do our own thing, and we make it all about the feels and the smells and all the fun and all the holiday stuff, and we forget or overlook or ignore the king of the universe who came to live and to die and rise again to grant us life forever with God the Father. Is Christmas for you about feelings or is it about facts? And here's the question to ask yourself. Is Jesus the central focus of your Christmas? I mean, it's an honest question to ask. Like, is Jesus the central focus of why I celebrate and what I do in the month of December for Christmas. Because if he's really the king of the universe and it really is his birthday party, why is he sitting at the end of the table with a party hat on going, really, all these decorations are for me? Like the penguin in your front lawn ice skating, that's for me? Like all, all the cookies you bake because you've just got to have that nut cookie because your mom made that nut cookie and your great-great-grandmother made that nut cookie so you spend 40 days making nut cookies. All, Jesus is like, that's for me? All the money that you spend and go into debt every year, like that's for me? 
Is it, is it about feelings or about facts? The historic reality of Jesus coming into the world is so much more about fact than it is about feeling. And it's why we're doing this series called More Than a Feeling. And we're looking at some of the facts behind who Jesus is so that we can kind of maybe rediscover what the point is. So if you have your Bibles, we're in 1 John chapter 1. 1 John is at the end of your Bible. It's this tiny little letter. And over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at 16 verses in the book of 1 John to see some essential facts about Jesus. And John is really qualified to write these things. He's Jesus' best earthly friend. And he's writing these words. He's writing these words as an old man. As an old man who, when he was a young man, he hung out with Jesus. He spent three and a half years with Jesus. He saw with his own eyes Jesus live and die and rise again. He saw Jesus ascend back to God. He saw the beginning of the church of Jesus Christ. Now decades have gone by. It's like 40 or 50 years after Jesus rose again from the dead. John is the last living disciple who was with Jesus, and he's looking at the church of Jesus Christ. And he's seeing just 40, 50 years after Jesus lived, the church of Jesus Christ is kind of getting out of whack, off base. They're they're taking all kinds of religion and spirituality and mixing it together into some kind of frappuccino of spiritual thoughts, and Jesus is kind of the cherry on top, and John's like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I spent three and a half years with this guy. He changed my life. Let me tell you the facts straight up about who he is, and I would urge you on your own time to read 1 John from beginning to end because you get this straight up fact of who Jesus is and what it looks like to follow him. And what you find in reading it is that John wants us to know that Jesus is so much more than a feeling. Look at the opening lines of 1 John 1. He says, that which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. He's inviting us to see that Jesus is someone you don't just add to your menu of feelings and celebration, but he's the creator, the savior, the king of the universe, that if you invite him into your life, he begins to change everything. He starts out in verse 1 in that first line. He says, that which was from the beginning, that phrase, that which was from the beginning, he does that intentionally because he wants to echo, remind his readers about the opening lines of the Bible. You know how the Bible starts in Genesis 1-1? It says, in the beginning, God. John's trying to echo that thought, reminding people, in the beginning, God. God existed before time and created the world and he created people to share his love with. And he writes that phrase, that which is from the beginning. He's also counting on readers, hearers, to remember the opening lines of his gospel. 
John chapter 1, verse 1. So if you have your Bibles, turn back to John 1, 1, the gospel of John 1. And we're going to look at this for a couple minutes together. Then we're going to come back to 1 John. John 1, 1. John's echoing these words. He's, he's using this end of his lifeline to remind them of what happened in Genesis in the beginning God. And then to remind them of what he wrote in his gospel. He says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. He's talking about something that happened before God created time and space. In the beginning, there was God, and there was this Word. Who is this Word John's talking about? He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So in the beginning... There was God, and there was somebody with God named the Word, maybe kind of like God's friend, maybe God's special assistant, maybe God's landscaper, this guy named the Word. Who is it? He says, in the beginning, this Word was with God, and this Word was God. So this Word was around before the earth was created. This Word wasn't just God's friend hanging out. He says the Word was God. So God isn't just one person. He's two persons. God, the Father, we know Him as, and this Word. And this Word isn't some created thing. This Word is eternal God, and He is God. Is your head hurting yet? Okay, who is this word? He says in verse 3, through him, this word, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. That Anything that was made, John was saying, was made through this word. This word who was hanging out with God. God, two persons existing together before all time, start creating, and this word is the one who makes all things. And this blows my mind. Okay, what is he talking about? What does this mean? And as you keep reading the Bible, what you find out is God is not just two persons, Father and Word. He's three persons, Father, Word, and Spirit. All existing before time, in the beginning, who create the world and sustain the world and love the world. Now let's get to the Christmas part of this. Skip down in John to verse 14, where John tells his version of the Christmas story. Are you ready? Here's John, the writer of all this, Jesus' best friend, telling the Christmas story. He says in verse 14, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. So this Word, who was with God from the beginning, who made all things, now comes to planet Earth, puts skin on, and dwells among us. He enters time and space. Now stop there. That's John's version of Christmas. We know Luke's version of Christmas, the Gospel of Luke. Matthew's version of Christmas, the Gospel of Matthew. And that's where we find Mary and Joseph, this virgin that's pledged to be married. She gets pregnant before she's married by the Holy Spirit. She gets on a donkey and rides up to Bethlehem and gives birth in a stall and the shepherds come and the angels and all that jazz. That's Matthew and Luke's Gospel account of what happened for the birth of Christ, John's account is zoom way out and say, Jesus existed before all time and space. He created all things. 
He entered time and space. This word showed up, visits us. This is Jesus. He's in the beginning. He puts on flesh. He visits planet Earth. He lives and dies and rises again to reconnect us to God the Father. And John wants us to know this is no fairy tale. This is big and this is cosmic and this is great and this is God and this is hope and this is salvation and this is peace and this is joy. But this is no fairy tale. This is not feelings. Now go back to 1 John. Back to where we started. 1 John chapter 1 verse 1. That's in the back of his mind when he says, that which is from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and appeared to us. John says, I experienced something called life. I touched it, I heard it. I sensed it in every aspect of who I am. I discovered that Jesus is life. He speaks life and he gives life. John had a front row seat to see this life. He was there when Jesus turned water into wine. He tasted the wine. He was there when Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to God the Father except through me. He heard it with his own ears. He watched with his own eyes Jesus walk on water. He heard Jesus say, I have to die and I will rise again. He watched Jesus talk to God the Father and obey God the Father. He watched as Jesus was arrested. He saw Jesus' cold, dead body put into a grave. He touched Jesus' nail-pierced hands when he rose again from the dead. He watched Jesus go back to God the Father. He saw it experienced with his eyes experienced it, and it changed him. And it's not a fairy tale, it's not a feeling, but a fact for John that he sees life and he's experienced life and he's experienced this through Christ by faith and it's changed him. And it's so real, so life-changing that he has to tell others. So he says in 1 John 1 verse 3, we proclaim to you that which what we have seen and heard so that you also might have fellowship with us And our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Remember, he spent three and a half years with Jesus. Now it's 40, 50 years later, and he's been changed by Jesus in such a significant way. He's an old man now looking at his life and looking at the people he loves. And he says, when you've experienced life in Jesus, you joyfully invite others into this life. When you've experienced this life change, this intimate relationship with God that gives you peace and purpose and joy, that's unexplainable unless God is in the middle of it, then you can't help but share that with other people. And when other people experience that life, other people experience that peace, that joy, and it begins to change them, that's when he says, my joy is made complete because what I saw and heard and experienced, and now by faith you are experiencing, and it's changing your life. That brings me such incredible joy. But the opposite is true when John sees people messing around and 
not holding on to the core truths of who Jesus is and falling prey to false teaching and sideways feelings about God, and it doesn't change them, and he's going, i got to tell you the truth. you got to know. This is about Jesus, only Jesus. I think in many ways what John's doing in this letter is what we do with restaurants. So when you go to a new great restaurant, what do you do? You taste it, it's great, and you go to work, and you tell all your friends and family about this new great restaurant. And when you hear from somebody about a new great restaurant, what do you do? You Google it, right? You don't go. Like, I wouldn't go. I would Google it first and be like, let me see the menu. And with my eyes, I would look at the menu and go, oh, that looks pretty good. And then I would decide to go. And I'd go, and I'd be smelling as I entered. How does it smell? Mm, Oh, this smells pretty good. And then I would eat, and I would taste the food. And if I smelt with my nose and tasted with my mouth and I heard good music and experienced great service, then with that whole transformational experience, I'd be like, this is a great restaurant. And what would I do? Hold it to myself? No, I would go then to all my friends and family and say to them, you got to go try this restaurant. It's incredible. And my joy would be made complete. If you heard me say, you got to go to this great restaurant, and you go and experience the same great culinary experience, and you come back to me and go, man, that restaurant you told me about, they really do have the best burrito in town. Like, it's really incredible. That would bring me great joy. That's what John's doing. He's saying, I have experienced something that's transformed me every aspect of my life, and I got to tell you about it, and my joy will be complete when you have the same life-changing experience with Jesus that I had. Are you ready for Christmas to be more than a feeling? Because that kind of transformation isn't all about feelings. It's about facts, about truth, about transformation. And only when Jesus becomes the center of our Christmas and the center of our lives do we experience transformation and life the way God designed it to be. So my encouragement to you as we start the Christmas series and season is simple. It's looking to Jesus that will save you, but it's staring at Jesus that will transform you. There's a difference, right? So when I hear the good news that Jesus died for me and rose again for me and forgives me of my sins, and the only way to get to God is by faith in Jesus, then I look to Jesus for my salvation, and he brings me into his family, and I'm welcomed forever. I'm adopted. I'm a son, a daughter forever. And as those who have been saved by Jesus, we have a choice at Christmas. Do we celebrate with Jesus at the center, or is he the afterthought? Is he sitting at the party and everyone's ignoring him? Is he a part of the celebration? Is he the focus? Is he the reason? And this is really hard, isn't it? Like, I don't want to sit up here and go, hey, so easy for me. Jesus is at the center of my Christmas. I'm more spiritual than all of you. Like, no, this is really hard. I want to buy a Christmas tree. And when I buy a Christmas tree, I'm not thinking about Jesus. But I want to. I want to think about and process what I'm doing and saying, am I doing this to honor Jesus? Is this to celebrate Jesus? Is this for Jesus? And if the answer would be, well, Jesus is sitting in the corner and doesn't like what I'm doing, then maybe it's not for him. Maybe I should rethink going into debt, buying my kids new AirPods. 
right? Maybe I should rethink some of the things that I'm doing because I'm looking at it going, wait, this doesn't honor Jesus. This doesn't make him the central reality of Christmas. I'm thinking about this stuff, and what does it look like to stare at Jesus at Christmas? I mean, practically speaking, it means opening up your Bible. Is your Bible a part of your Christmas celebration? Opening up your Bible and reading about Jesus in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in the prophets, in the apocalyptic literature, in every aspect of the Bible, it's all pointing to Jesus. Do you open up your Bible and read, stare at, look at Jesus? Do you sing songs to Jesus at Christmas? Is the Christmas music you listen to and sing and hum Christ-centered Christmas music? That will help you stare at Jesus. Is there ways that you could look for God in your daily life? Look for Jesus in how you walk and talk and as you interact with people. You see, Jesus is among us. He came to dwell among us. So many times we're so focused on all the fun and the feeling, not the fact that he has come to be a part of our lives. And when I stare at him, when I honor him, when I celebrate him, when he becomes my focus, that's when I start to change. That's when I'm transformed. That's when I experience supernatural grace, supernatural peace, supernatural joy that transcends feelings and transcends decorations and transcends the coming and going of seasons. As he begins to transform me, as I stare at him, as I talk to him, as I praise him, as I pray to him, he begins to make me into his image. I begin to look like him, transformed by him, that now his life is my life and I'm different. And now my joy becomes everyone else around me coming to see Jesus too. That my joy complete is not in having the best decorations and the best nut cookies. Like that's, that's fun, that's a part of it, but that's not my greatest joy, having the best decorations, the best gifts, the best music, the best Christmas sweater. Some of you have really bad Christmas sweaters. You know, that's not my joy. My joy is as I become more like Jesus, I want other people to come to know Jesus too and to experience him, that he really does bring life, he really does bring hope, he really does bring joy, and that transcends seasons. Would you pray with me? God, we're at the beginning of all the Christmas feels, and there will be a turning of the calendar where we will be at the end of all the Christmas feels. Most of us get the post-holiday blues where we're kind of hung over from all the Christmas activity. Seasons come and seasons go. Some of us have celebrated dozens and dozens and dozens of Christmases. The only thing that doesn't change is you, Jesus. You are our anchor. You are real and alive and you are life. You have the power to transform every heart hearing my voice now. So I pray that you would invade our thoughts, that you would become the focus of our Christmas, that you would help us to process what we do in tradition 
and ask the question, does this tradition honor you or does it ignore you? And help us to realign our hearts, our actions to you because in that is peace and in that is joy and in that is purpose that will last forever. So Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, invade our hearts and minds. Be the center of our focus and our attention. I pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen.